Hi, this is Clement Lau, and welcome back to our uh, fifth podcast uh, for um, the series on school leadership. Um, so today's topic is on uh, data analysis. How, how does data analysis improves uh, the quality of education for students? And so there's so much data out there. Sometimes it gets kind of overwhelming, uh, but in order to improve the quality of education for students, um, educators must use data uh, to know where their students are at, um, at every level, academically, uh, you know, behaviorally, uh, where they're at attendance-wise, um, and other aspects of uh, their education. And so data is becoming the go-to practice for educational uh, stakeholders uh, to improve the quality of education for students. Um, so if you improve the quality of education for students, uh, it will ultimately um, give them a better chance to have a better quality of life later. Um, this is really important in um, schools where, or neighborhoods or communities where folks are social, socially, economically disadvantaged and giving the kids uh, a quality education um, which will ultimately allow them to um, have that better quality of life. Um, and this is called uh, social mobility. And if there is not quality of education, uh, then these kids or these students will not get those opportunities to move up in society. So with data, it, 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 there's a wide array of data, you know, that usually shows information about the students learning. And this is usually the student achievement data. And um, there's information about grades, about testing, uh, and there's many different data sources that you can um, get this data from. Uh, they're mostly public, like the CDE, California Department of Education, uh, has a lot of data. Um, but on your school, at your school, you may use different attendance tracking data. Um, and so, you know, that information... Uh, you know, may uh, be put up on CDE as well, uh, which is um, easily accessed. So with so much data, it is always important um, for an educational leader to have the knowledge of uh, data use theories, um, the tools and the strategies uh, in order to support the many stakeholders, um, like the teachers, uh, to make sense of all these numbers and, and to figure out 
why the numbers are, are the way that they are and, and uh, to figure out the root causes. Then um, they can determine what the students' needs are in order to plan for improvement and growth uh, for those students. So usually with data, data is only meaningful when it's fully understood and interpreted uh, correctly, uh, because if you interpret data incorrectly, uh, it, you're not gonna make uh, the improvements that needs to be made. So the, this goes back to my last podcast where it data connects to uh, developing a school growth plan and, and identifying and coming up with the goals and identifying the needs um, in order uh, for the students to meet those goals. Um, on the last podcast, I talked about how um, how a collaborative focus group um, needs to um, collaborate in, in order to uh, come up with a screw growth plan for continuous improvement. But I didn't go into detail on how to come up with the goals. So on this podcast, uh, I'm going to go more into how do you analyze data to determine the uh, needs of the students, especially the instructional needs when it comes to uh, student achievement and um, making sure that uh, there's quality of education. So online today, um, educational stakeholders and the public, they have a wide variety of data um, on the school that, uh, you know, whatever school that you're looking up or the school that you work at um, or other schools and, and uh, other districts data as well. So there's information um, on student demographics, testing, attendance records, uh, disciplinary records and surveys and data from focus groups. Um, so this information, it is really important uh, to have when making those high stake decisions. Um, because when you're making those, those decisions, you, you want them to have merit and have a higher chance for it to result in positive outcomes for students. And usually, you know, uh, when you do make high stake decisions, it does sometimes cost uh, a lot of money or it takes a lot of resources. And the district would always ask why. Uh, and you have to get your school budget approved uh, and you have to back it up. And the way that you do is by using data. So if you have the data to show um, and, and the fact that you've analyzed data and you're able to come up with uh, a backing for how does the data show that you need this in order for the students to, to, to improve or to get from A to B. And so although there's so much data that gives educational stakeholders a lot of improvement 
it, it doesn't tell them everything, especially about the, the school's culture, um, where the students are from, about their home life. Uh, actually, there, there is information about, you know, uh, if they're economically, socially disadvantaged, if, if they speak Spanish and blah, blah, blah. But uh, in, in terms of how their home life is exactly, um, it's we don't have those numbers. Uh, do they take care of siblings at, at home while the parents work? Um are their parents on on drugs or uh, they're not stable? Um, sometimes that information is not given. So ha- having that knowledge is also important. Um, so it is always essential um, for not just administrators, but staff members and and teachers to know the theories and and strategies um, in using um, a a variety of tools to sort of understand the data uh, in order to determine um, what needs does the student needs in order to improve, especially academically. So most schools, they use um, formative uh, assessments are all schools uh, use formative assessments and summative assessments uh, to see where the students' academic levels measure or see where they're at. And I love formative assessments because you're able to check for understanding as um, the lessons going on. Um, but I do have a love and hate relationship with summative assessments and, and I'll tell you why. Um, I love the fact where, you know, at the end of the unit or at the end of the, a, a topic that teacher's teaching and you, you're giving a summative test, but regularly at the school where I teach at, I don't know if it's the same for, um, everybody else. But for the last month of the school year, uh, the students are testing um, four weeks, so which is a month. And they're taking their benchmarks uh, and then also their ca- uh, CAS test, which is the um, state standardized uh, test. So at the end of the school year, they have to take two English tests, um, two uh, math test, and then a science test. Um, I, I work in a middle school, so sixth graders did not have to take the science test. And th- this is just um, the state test. And then on top of that, they had to do the benchmark. So when kids have to test every single day for four weeks, it stresses the kids out. And, and it doesn't really give a real... Um, analysis of how those kids tested um, because at some point, you know, the, the kids are not as focused and I love benchmark because it's spaced out. Um, but with the state standardized test, I, I think it's, it's too much sometimes. 
but it, it's a great way to um, compare uh, your students to other students um, in the state. And so even having all this data, it, it's important to have that collaboration time um, beyond that staff meeting or uh, that one, one staff meeting or the one department meeting a month. Um, I think that if your school already doesn't have it, uh, you know, a collaboration time built into the master schedule, I think that um, it should, uh, because I've seen seen it work out um, awesomely at the first school that I've taught at, at the district where I'm at, I work at. So at, at that school, kids get to get out at, on Wednesdays, um, I think an hour and a half, two hours earlier uh, than the regular day schedule, which allows the teachers to collaborate during their contract hours. Um, I, I think that if collaboration time is not worked in to their contract hours, teachers' contract hours, uh, they're less inclined to collaborate after their contract hours. Um, so having the collaboration time at the high school, we were able to uh, compare test scores, grades, and also uh, assignments. Uh, and we were also able to collaborate to create assignments and, and to come up with different ways to deliver those uh, lessons uh, in order for um, optimal positive uh, student outcomes. So when I transferred over to the middle school, um, you had to make that collaborative time. And, and most staff members, they, they don't want to collaborate. And uh, where I see um, that the quality of, ed of education at the school where I work at now, uh, it's improving, but it, it's not improving as when I was over at the high school where I felt like it was improving tenfold each, each time that we collaborate, but you know, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. And at the middle school where I work at now, we don't have that collaborative time. So having all that data, it's important, uh, and, um, for the teachers to share, um, you know, the data and their thoughts on it. And, uh, it helps, the staff understand the data better if they're able to uh, talk through it. You know what? Why? Why are the numbers the way they're they are, and what? And how? Uh, how can we get students to where they need to be and set some goals and figure out the barriers and the needs that needs to be met? Um, and so, uh, when the decisions are made as a cohesive team. Uh, you know, during this collaborative time, uh, teachers, administrators, and other stakeholders uh, could be invited, such as other district personnel. Uh, these uh, decisions um, that will be made uh, will have merit um, through the understanding that they all share the responsibilities of uh, being accountable for uh, student academic growth. So collaboration allows a higher uh, potential 
uh, for staff members to understand and interpret data correctly. So when a collective instructional plan is drawn up to improve the student growth, such as the school growth plan uh, and its goals, it will have a higher chance uh, to have a positive result. And, and also when, when there's collaboration, um, people tend to support uh, the initiatives and the changes that needs to happen uh, in order for students to succeed. So it's, it's almost like empowering the, the staff um, to make those high stake decisions uh, together and where there's not just one um, principal uh, figuring it out, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what the students need are. So having all this data, um, you know, you, where you analyze uh, student achievement data, the, the discipline data, the, the, test scores and, and everything else, um, you have to monitor uh, the data uh, for, in order for there to be uh, progress in um, helping the school continuously improve. So when uh, a data-informed data plan is made by um, setting goals, it helps improve student academics and behaviors. And when you do analyze the um, data continuously, it, it becomes a cycle of improvement where you continue um, to uh, you continue to help students improve and grow by meeting their needs because using data, you're able to determine exactly uh, what the student's needs are and, and how do you, and you come up with action steps and um, who's going to be in charge and, and you go from there. So when a school chooses to monitor progress um, by goal setting, Goals for student achievements are specific and, and they're measurable. So when you're able to specifically measure where your students are at, um, you can figure out what strategies uh, you need to use in, in order for that student uh, or those students to improve. Um, so when staff supports each other in analyzing data, you're able to figure out who your students are, what, what they need, and plan for that, for those um, quality lessons to take place. So analyzing data and understanding it and using it to help the students grow will ultimately give them a better quality of life because the education that you're giving 
those students is the best and, and, and beyond the best that that you're you're gonna be able to do for them. And so this concludes the uh, fifth episode and looking forward to my uh, new audience until um, next time for a, a new uh, topic uh, and a new series. Okay, signing off, your host, Clement Lau.